Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of the Gills Talk. Today I am really excited for you to listen to my interview with Gills Club co-founder Marianne Long. I'm very lucky to be able to interview Marianne not just because she is a co-worker of mine but she is a dear friend and a mentor and being able to sit down and really listen to the origins of how the Gills Club got started but as well as her background too. So without further ado let's tune in to our first interview with Marianne Long. We are here today interviewing Gills Club co-founder Marianne Long. When she is not working with the Gills Club, she is the education director for the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy and as well as my rock star boss. So welcome, Marianne. Hi, Kibble. I'm so excited to be here with you today. <laughs> Me too. So I'm so excited that you are able to come in here and be able to be interviewed this afternoon because since you are a co-founder of the Gills Club, you obviously had such an integral part in being able to start this organization. So how did the Gills Club get started? Well, the Gills Club is, you know, an education initiative of the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy. So even though it has its own landing page on the website and everything, it is one of the Conservancy's education initiatives. And it really came to be because early on when the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy was first founded, we would host different outreach or education events. And we started to see this trend of young girls who were coming to these events and they were wearing shark t-shirts or they had shark backpacks they wanted to show. And they all told a similar story of how they had gotten made fun of in one way or another because of their loves for sharks or that they were told that sharks are for boys. And at the same time, you know, as the Conservancy was forming and growing collaborative relationships with different scientists, we were meeting many female shark scientists who, you know, were doing groundbreaking work in this field but not a lot of people knew who they were. They weren't being given the same opportunities that maybe some male scientists have had, being on Shark Week or being interviewed for papers um, or in magazines. And so this visual of you know a female shark researcher really didn't exist for that next generation. And so we wanted to build that connection and we wanted to give that visual of here is a female working in the field with different species of sharks whether it's on a mathematical side doing data analysis, whether it's on the science side taking biopsies or you know the engineering and how they build the tags, place the tags, all of that. You know, there are all these different women who work, you know, to help in shark conservation in one way or another, and we really wanted to build that connection so that these young girls who were having a hard time realize that a they're not alone but b they can follow that path one day and become a shark researcher themselves yes absolutely and i think that's something you know, when i first came up here and i learned about the gills club that was something that i wish i had as a little girl you know being able to grow up and be able to have those types of role models and being able to help in the gills club but then be able to work with those scientists especially Megan Winton, who is the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy staff scientist, who is a Gills Club scientist as well. She will be interviewed here on the podcast as well. So, But being able to have that background in science, which I know you do, but our viewers might not. So can you tell us a little bit what your background is? Yeah. Uh, so I went to school for marine science. I went to Coastal Carolina University down in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. You know, I studied marine science down there. And similar to what you're just saying, that I absolutely wish that there was something like this because, you know, the Gills Club when I was going through school because it wasn't so much for me the, you know, I needed that female role model, but I think that almost that push and that drive of just that I can do this 
it's not easy and it's not what a lot of people think. There are a lot of math courses that are involved and I wasn't <laughs> ready for that. Nope, me either. <laughs> so, you know, I think being able to just have this connection of places where, you know, when students are struggling with some of their coursework and know like that there are outlets that they can reach out to and see, you know, I think for me then once I graduated, I started working in education and I use my, you know, the knowledge that I learned through, you know, my coursework and everything. But, you know, I love now that I get to work in shark conservation on the education side. But again, that's where Gilstop comes in, that there are a lot of young people who are excited about sharks, but math might be the hurdle or some of the science courses are the hurdle. But just being able to see all the different career choices that exist to still work in an area that you're passionate about to have that fulfillment, that is where it would have had an impact for me growing up. And so that's a big part of what we try to do is in bringing in people who work in shark conservation, trying to showcase all of the different careers and fields, just to show all those opportunities, you know, for young people as they're trying to figure out. And I think it's also important to note that for some people, college isn't the way that they're going to go. That was my track, but I fully admit that then it's been my work experience in different areas that have really enabled me to get to where I am today, working in outdoor education, working in, uh, you know, middle school classroom, teaching in that realm of it. Um, So both the formal and informal education background helped me. But, you know, in some of the other career tracks, it might not be, you know, a four-year or a two-year degree. Maybe it is the skills and going through certificate courses for different things like that. And that's important for young people to hear today. Absolutely. And I think we do stress that when before COVID-19, <laughs> when we did have those monthly Gills Club meetings and we, we we call our Gills Club members Gills. So when we would have our Gills and our meetings and we would see them do these different types of activities and you can see like they some shine more in one area because they love doing that, especially our dissections that we do with them. And but then sometimes when it's more of like that data and and, an application, you see other gills being like really deep diving into that. So I think being able to show them that there's these different ways is one that, you know, helps them out to be able to know what they love. Um, But speaking of COVID, um, it's been a long year. Has it? (laughs) Just just a little bit. I mean, it is the anniversary of Tiger King this week. Like that's like when it really blew up. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's been a really long year. Um, So how has COVID-19 impacted the Gills Club? Uh, It it really has in a lot of ways, um, unfortunately. So one of the things about the Gills Club is that we would host these in-person learning events and we offer them for free. And we have partnered with different aquariums or education facilities across the country to have these Gills Club locations where, you know, young people could come and they could meet other, you know, young budding scientists and ocean advocates and have an opportunity to land her to learn hands-on as well as meet other people with similar interests. But the reality is, is that those were more community events that brought in people from all different communities, which unfortunately during COVID right now, you know, that's been really shut down that Mm -hmm. even though in-person events are starting to come back online, different counties have different rules, let alone, you know, you look at different states and they're also in different places for numbers. And so we have made that choice of we're not hosting any in-person programs just for the safety of all of our guests and that we don't want to host something but then have to say, you know, you can't come to this because you live in this area and it's a red zone or something like that. So there has been some virtual events that we have held, but then the other big place that we've been able to try to 
keep people engaged is that we actually created the Gills Club app this past year. Um, so that came out last spring, you know, right shortly after COVID started. And that's been a way for us to connect with Gills Club members. But that in-person learning has been lost. So we miss that. Yes, um, we do. <laughs> we miss seeing the Gills and being able to have those opportunities. And I know that our collaborators who help host, you know, the different Gills Club events across the country, I know that they are missing time with their young Gills. So hopefully, you know, as we go later into 2021 and into 2022, those will come back online for us. Absolutely. And if you who is listening right now, if you do not have the Gills Club app, highly suggest downloading it. I'm a little impartial because I do love that app. But <laughs> um, it is a really great spot to learn about our different featured Gills Club scientists, different shark species, and as well as then you'll be able to listen to this podcast through that app as well. So lots of different fun things that you can do through that app. And it is available for... Apple and, and Android, right? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it's free on both of those. Yes. So very good app to check out. So Gills Club is now has been around for many years. I know you have done multiple meetings. You've run them. You've been able to do certain trips with our Gills. But what is your favorite part about Gills Club? Ah, that's a hard question. I know. <laughs> I think for me, one of the things that I have really loved is being able to see some of our Gills grow up. Um, so we've had several who, you know, started coming to events and different things when they were in junior high or even early high school. And now they're applying to colleges and being able to actually see them, you know, pick schools because they, you know, the different learning opportunities that are provided and, you know, uh, lab courses and all of that and being able to continue to be a resource for them as they grow. That's been something that's been really wonderful to be able to see and have that experience just to work with young girls who have started with this passion at junior high and then help them get to where they want to go and not all of them have then you know stayed on the shark track you know we have some who are looking at veterinary medicine now or you know they're looking just in biology in general but it is being able to work with those girls and see them go on and enter into fields based you know in stem which is really amazing to see so I love that side of it but then I also just I mean that in-person learning and being able to provide those experiences especially when we have uh, gills come in who don't really know what to expect. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like when you get to have that experience with a gill who has come to their first meeting and they start out and they're shy and they don't really know anyone who's there and we start doing some activities and the energy in the room starts building and you see that shyness kind of dissolve um, and you see them get more active in the activity that they're doing. And then the next thing you know, they're talking to the person next to them and they're making a new friend and by the end, you know, they're, I loved this. I can't wait to come back next month. And they are just so overjoyed when they just spent their Saturday morning learning, yeah. you know, and that's, what's always amazing is that unfortunately I do think that a lot of times in education nowadays, it's hard. There's so much pressure on our teachers, especially right now, but being able to bring in some of that current event content like sharks um, in shark research in, you know, apply it to what's going on in math class or even in reading class or, you know, in their science class, you don't get to see a lot of that. So for students to then have that opportunity to come to Gills and use the same standards, but have it directly applied to, you know, what's going on with shark research and have them walk away being so excited about having done math on a Saturday morning. <laughs> that's always amazing. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. I, that's one thing that I love. I won't say her name, but I do remember just like being able to watch her kind of blossom up through the gills and being, she started out as that shy young person like you were talking about, but as um, she did grow, she, you know, she blossomed out of her little bubble and she is amazing. And now she's in college now and being able to 
you know, thrive there in that environment. With everything, you know, we're talking about sharks. You obviously work for a shark con conservation group and such, but what is your favorite shark, Marianne? Oh boy, my favorite species? Sure, we'll do favorite species. Okay, my favorite species is actually the tiger shark, which is a bit ironic because I have a white shark tattoo, but the tiger shark is the one that's my favorite. And for me, it all comes back to, it was a very pivotal moment in my life, but I was um, in Bimini in the Bahamas at the Bimini Biological Field Station. I was there for a course while in college, and all of a sudden we caught this baby tiger shark on the line. And so we brought it up onto the boat and we started doing a workup on it. And then we took that, you know, baby tiger shark, which, you know, you call a baby shark a pup. So we took that pup back and we put it in a pen so we could observe it for a bit. And they actually brought in a film crew because they wanted to get really great underwater footage of it because it was at that time, I'm not sure if it still is, but it was the smallest tiger shark pup that the lab had seen. It was about 83 centimeters, so really petite. And as it was, you know, swimming around in the pen, I just remember watching it and I had just had, uh, my brother had just, you know, and his wife had just had their first child, my niece, Caitlin. And I'm watching this little sharks literally <laughs> swim into the sides of the pen and be like, where am I going? It would swim into our legs and bump into us. Like just doing all the things that my niece at that time was doing, right? Like walking into things, trying to eat her foot or her toys. And I just had this very real moment of you know, the shark has to grow and the shark has to learn and it's going to make mistakes just like we do. And, you know, it does happen that, you know, when those mistakes happen, it is unfortunate for humans. Absolutely. But it often is that case of mistaken identity or, you know, the shark is trying to do something. But, you know, I just had this moment of when we make mistakes, you know, you laugh it off or, mm -hmm. you know, there can be consequences, absolutely, depending on the level of the mistake, but we all make mistakes. Absolutely. And these sharks are going to make mistakes. And so, you know, it really then got my mind thinking about the perception of sharks and how they get this bad rep. I mean, even when I went down for this course, my parents were terrified. You know, <laughs> they were, and at that time, there wasn't cell phone coverage and Wi-Fi everywhere like there is now. So it was, hey, I'm going to be gone for two weeks and won't be able to talk with you or anything. And all they knew I was doing shark research. They were terrified. You know, because they grew up in the Jaws era and anything shark related to them was then absolutely scary and terrifying and all of this. So, you know, I just had this moment then where it really put my height into awareness about the perception of sharks and what people hear about sharks and then what they understand about them, which then, you know, you look at where I am now and in my job and, you know, we often joke that we're the, you know, kind of like a PR firm for sharks and that we're trying to replace peer with facts and improve the public's understanding of you know why research is important and what takes place with the research and why sharks are important and the role they play in our ecosystem so that all comes back to you know the tiger shark being my favorite species and a very long-winded answer for you <laughs> Marion, i have worked with you now for five years and i've never heard that story what i don't think i've ever heard you say that story really yeah oh yeah that's why i don't think i always go into why tiger sharks are my favorite but it all goes back to that moment i just had this like very surreal nature experience watching this little tiger shark pup swim around and now in hindsight looking back there is this like wow and look at where i am and what i do now it really shows just the level of impact that nature moment had for me mm -hmm. um and that's i think one of the other things i love about gills is that we're really working to inspire and provide experiences for young people that can have that kind of impact that can really open their eyes and you know open 
their minds that are developing to all these possibilities and get them themselves to look at something and create their own opinion or their own idea. Because we often are working with, you know, middle school or high school when it's not anymore just about what you're being told, but it's when they can start forming their own opinions, their own ideas. So then being able to help them to do that and provide experiences when they can do that is always just really incredible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I always love that even that we are providing these experiences for the youth, but then their parents are sitting there too. And then like, that's when like, I love seeing their parents get their minds rolling and being able to think about those things. Because a lot of those parents did grow up in the Jaws area as well. They're probably were about the same age as what their children are now. And being able then to be like, I was afraid of sharks, but like being at Gills Club and like learning with my own child is being able to even change their parents' perception as well. A absolutely. And then it's always hilarious because we're trying to lead an activity with the kids and the parents are in and the parents want to do the activity. Yes. <laughs> fun though too we love our guild guilds parents they're always so supportive but before we do wrap up today marianne i want how do i want to say this i want you to give a piece of advice if it's advice that a young gill maybe that is looking to be a shark scientist or maybe someone that is listening to this and they're not in school anymore and they still want to be in shark conservation in some way what would you what would that be that advice to them as someone that loves sharks and how they can be involved you know, I think that there's a few pieces here. You know, one is be open. You know, as we discussed today, there are so many ways that someone can get involved in shark conservation, but sharks specifically are only one piece of the puzzle. You know, if you're passionate about sharks, then you're passionate about the ocean. You know, you've got to think about the big picture. And sometimes it can be hard. Like there aren't necessarily all the opportunities with sharks specifically, especially if you're looking to something that's local to you. So thinking about the big picture and being open to other ideas, maybe it's volunteering with your local watershed, you know, that can be a great way to get involved um, or river keepers associations because it all flows into our ocean and it has that impact there. So being open to the different ways in which you can get involved and the different areas in which you can get involved, I think is really big and important. The other big one is that don't give up. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I failed courses in college. Same. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it happened and it was a math course. And for the longest time, I couldn't figure out, like, why did I have to take calculus two, you know, for marine science? Like, how, why does this have to be a prereq? And I really thought about changing my major all because of that course and because I was struggling in it. And I had never failed a course before in my life. So it really took a toll on me mentally. But at the same time, I was taking an actual marine science course, you know, outside of the core subject realm that I was so into. And I could see right there that I had an A in that course. I was struggling on the math side because I wasn't applying it. It was still learning the basics of it. And there would be a class, I will say, in physical oceanography. I had to use some of those <laughs> formulas that I was learning in calc and some of the principles of it. But there was that moment when I really wanted to quit. So, you know, don't give up. And, you know, if you're struggling with it, seek out the resources. You know, for any of our college students who are listening now, it's hard right now. You know, I actually had a call with one of our volunteers recently, and, you know, she was like, I don't even know how to get to a math lab or figure that out because of COVID and because of what's being limited or this or that. But so many places, if you're struggling in a class, there are resources. You just have to really push now more than ever to utilize some of them because, there are different rules in place that I don't want to say it's making it harder, but it's not, you can't go to a room and there's a tutor who's there and willing to help. Mm -hmm. You have to put in a little bit more effort sometimes, but make that effort and push through because it'll absolutely be worth it in the end. 
Yeah, I think that is great advice to end on. So thank you, Marianne, for being able to join me this afternoon. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Gills Club co-founder, Marianne Long. I have known Marianne now for almost five years, and I even learned something new about her during that interview. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, and as well as follow us on our social media platforms. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, which is The Gills Club. And we hope to catch you on our next episode with Dr. Christine Stump. Have a great week, everyone, and continue to be inspired, explore, and learn.